Welcome to Dogsthorpe Infant School Launchpad. Stand by for action. This is your captain speaking. We've been cleared for departure. OK, Eddie, start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. This podcast is brought to you by Eddie Edster, the Dogsthorpe Infant School Wellbeing Dog. His name is Eddie Edster, he's a well-being dog, and he's here at Dogsthorpe School. He's such a little cutie, wagging his tail, and the kids all think he's cool. He makes them feel safe, he's great for mental health He gives them confidence from his very self Not talking about money, but he brings so much wealth He's Eddie Edstar, the well-being dog He's Eddie Edstar, the well-being dog He's Eddie Edstar, the well-being dog This delightful Cavalier King Charles Spaniel offers hugs, paw shakes and high fives to help children of every age to dream, believe and shine. Yes, welcome back to Eddie's Launchpads. It's the Dogsthorpe Infant School podcast for parents, teachers, schools. This sadly is the final episode of Eddie's Launchpads of Season 3. But for this final episode, I've got two friends on the show, Dr Helen Price and Al Kingsley. Welcome to you both. Hi, Dave. Good Hi. to be here. Hi, good, good to speak to you. Helen, could you explain a little bit about Hampton Academies Trust and uh, what you do? We uh, started off uh, very similar to Dog Sorping. Uh, we were a standalone local authority school called Hampton College. Um, so if we go back to the early 2010s, um, I took over as the head and Al was our chair of governors. So um, we were a, a regular school. And then our growth as a trust um, reflects what's happened on Hampton, really. I know that's a different part of the city to many of your listeners, but they'll be aware, I'm sure, from Serpentine Green um, and driving through um, that it's a lot of new housing. So the area has been on a growth trajectory and that's reflected in, in how the trust has grown. So the first thing that happened is that uh, myself and Al were involved in secondary education, so older children and young people. And in consultation with the local authority, they came to talk to us about also um, running schools for younger children as well. And that was because of the, um, the growth in the population on Hampton. So we added a primary phase at Hampton College and we became what's called an all through school. Um, so at Hampton College, we now have children from four right up to 19 and the primary phase has its own campus right next door to the original secondary school. Um, in 2014 we became an academy 
um, and our reason for doing that was, was not because we were in any way un, unhappy with being a local authority school. We've always had a really brilliant relationship with Peterborough City Council. Um, it was because we could see the growth that was coming on Hampton and the only way we could get involved in that was to form an academy trust, which is what we, we did. Um, and the, the two big developments that then happened on Hampton was we were able to um, bid with the City Council to central government for funding for two new schools, brand new schools, one called um, Hampton Gardens, which opened in 2017. Um, and it's amazing that in that time, I'm now sitting in that building as I talk to you, we've got um, 1,200 young people aged between 11 and 19 in the, in the building that I'm sitting in. And then just down the road, Hampton Lakes Primary School, which opened in 2019. Um, some interesting challenges at the start because um, we didn't have a building because our contractor, Carillion, went out of business. And then the pandemic hit. So the school had an interesting start to its journey. Um, but in the end, we moved into a brand new building um, and far more perhaps familiar to your listeners if they were to pop in there, very similar to Dogthorpe. Um, it's a school that's growing and our largest numbers are actually in early years and key stage one as well. Um, and um, as we've started to look outward and think beyond the Hampton development, um, we wanted to grow as a trust, um, but we very much have a local vision. So where perhaps in the past we used to talk about Hampton, we now talk about Peterborough um, and your good selves at Dogsthorpe were the first school that joined us um, from the wider locality. Um, and that's been a partnership that we've really, really enjoyed. Um, and a lot of the, the links there are around having the same values. So one of the things that um, attracted us to Dogsthorpe was a happy child-centered school with staff who are really passionate about doing the best for children. Um, and um, I think we've, we've not looked back since we started working together because we find um, that the professionals in Dogsort absolutely believe in the same things as, as the trust um, and we're starting to make even more progress together. So that's the, the, the potted history of the trust. And in terms of what I do, that's a really good question. Dave, I get asked that all the time. Well, what is it that you do? Because um, we're still a relatively small trust, um, my role does mean I still have contact in school and I'm based in school almost every day, actually. I'm, I'm out and about in the trust. Um, and as you know, I'm in dogs up at least once a fortnight, sometimes more, depending on, on, on what is going on. So I work with each of the head teachers um, and we have a meeting and we look at all of the things that are going well and what are the challenges and we work together to solve those. So that's part of my role. And the other part of my role is working with the trust board around the development of the trust and that, that future planning, looking at what happens next um, and making sure that we're, we're kind of there as a trust contributing because that's very much linked to our moral purpose. So working with other schools and trying to serve the children of Peterborough, that, that's what we're, what we're here for. Whilst we are somewhat different because we're, we're a 70 year old community, we feel now part of something much bigger rather than being lost in a whole maze of schools in the city. Mrs Waters has been at, at the school 22 years. Over that time, we have seen all sorts of things happen in the country, in the world. Uh, our, our demographic has changed. Um, the people that used to be a part of our school, the families have completely changed. We've got a a number of languages spoken in the school, uh, lots of cultures. It has changed a great deal. And, and so we've got all that history. 
and but we still want to maintain what you spoke about about being child centered and the one thing that drew us to Hampton Academies Trust uh, and I had a long conversation with the chair of the trust over this is that we were allowed to keep the identity, the dream, believe, shine. You know, you can be anybody if you want to. If you've got a dream, you can do it. If you're prepared to work hard and you believe in yourself, then you can shine. You know, and all those sorts of things, all that identity that a young infant can pick hold of and think, actually, I could be a doctor, couldn't I? Or actually, I could be a policeman, couldn't I? Or I could be a dentist, whatever. Um, that's when uh, the, the, the spark is ignited in that respect and you allowed us to keep that and not and we're so grateful for that it's a two-way process thank you for all you do and uh, I'm, I'm going to a little bit later on i'm going to talk to you again helen if i may and ask you about looking back over the past year and in uh, and in the future but uh let's bring al into the conversation now you you've been on the show been on the launch pad many times al because of your books and because of being chair of the trust what exactly do you do as chair of Academy of the Hampton Academies Trust? That's a very good question. It's something I ask myself on a regular basis. Um, the truth of it is there are different layers to any organization. And, and as Helen's explained, in her role as CEO, her role operationally is to make sure we deliver on all those promises and commitments. But there's a layer that sits above in any organization and from governance for those familiar with schools over many years, you have a local governing body and in a trust, those governing bodies feed into a trust board that sits as the overarching body responsible. Um, and, and so there's two strands. There's one which is, um, and very much the case over the last few years, I might add, which is about being there to support the visions and the plans of the school and find ways creatively to work together to make sure we can deliver on that. And then there's a broader area, which again involves Helen and I working together, which is looking more strategically because we can all look at this year and we can talk about the challenges, but actually the success of any organization and most definitely schools is that you have to be thinking about three years from now, five years from now, those new schools that Helen talked about when we actually said, we're going to go ahead and put our hat in the ring to build those schools was many, many years before anybody saw bricks and mortars and a sign on the, on the road. And that same process applies. Now, everybody listening to, any conversation around education, we'll hear the conversations about the financial challenges in education, uh, how we retain amazing teachers, uh, and we talk about technology and other things that you and I have talked about, but ultimately the things that Helen alluded to are the human factor. It's the people, the community, the young people that maketh the school and always will. Um, so a lot of my role is trying to think about what's next. How do we make sure that we are viable, we're sustainable, we keep our identity, that thing that you very much value, and rightly so. I'm, having spent many years at Dogsthorpe Infants, I would never want to lose that. But actually, I think that's the case in every school. Each of our schools, new or not, over the years, they go from a blank canvas to something that's very unique and identifiable to that cohort of staff and students. And long may that continue. Um, we may talk about the, the future plans um, later on in this conversation, but the most important word that Helen referenced there was that we are community focused. We have aspirations about doing the right thing for people that are within our reach. And so we are very much a local focused trust. Um, but everything we do in any organization, as much as we need to support each other, and that's one of the things that why I've spent so long in my role at Hampton is because it's about working with good people that you share the same vision and values. 
Um, on occasions, you also have to provide challenge, but challenge is constructive and actually good leaders like challenge because it lets them reflect on their decisions and actually consolidate those decisions. Um, so it is very much collegiate at all levels in Hampton. Um, so, so my role is to bring together other trustees, the voices, make sure we know where we're at this year, but also think longer term about where we might be in the future. We might be a relatively small MAT, multi-academy trust in the scheme of some of the larger national ones, but we both are very committed to making sure that we have a wider vo voice and reach in the city. So Helen leads the CEO groups for all the CEOs across the multi-academy trust in Peterborough. I have a seat working with the regional schools director supporting academies in the east of England. And one of the things is we want to make sure that we are both fingers on the pulse listening to what's happening, but also making sure that we have a voice about the direction of travel and things that are important. And a lot of maps don't do that. They tend to have their order of day. And, and one thing that I think is really important and people won't see is how much effort our leadership team put into supporting others and sharing their experience and best practice on a wider scale. And I think that's a bigger part of our kind of moral purpose as a trust. Helen, what's the, the, the last year been like for our schools of the trust? I'm a good news person, so I'll start with the challenges so I can then finish with um, all of those good good things that have been happening. Um, I mean, the, the challenges, as, as you know, you'll be really familiar with in, in Dogsoft as well, is, um, you know, we're all in that post-pandemic moment where we've got children um, and families that are finding life very, very hard. So I think some of our challenge has been around reaching out to our families who we know are um, struggling with cost of living and so on. So really thinking about that. We have our own struggles around money. Um, if my director of finance were here, she'd be saying we're just we're not being given enough money. And that's a challenge. Um, but we're working all working together really, really hard to keep going and keep providing everything. Um, but in common with lots of public services, we're doing as much as we ever have and more with potentially less coming in. So that's a challenge. Um, and another challenge that we see that we absolutely want to rise to is um, the number of our children coming in with high and complex needs. Um, and, um, you know, that in, in the context of um, resources being scarce, there aren't easy answers to some of that. But part of trust working, I think, brings us some way down the road because we can pull expertise um, and talk to each other and uh, share what's going on. And I know that um, the team at Dogsorp have drawn particular strength from their being able to share expertise with um, other colleagues in the trust, particularly the other primary heads and, and leaders. They've got a really good group um, and uh, the, the Senkos talk to each other and share their expertise as well. Um, in terms of highlights across the trust, I think one of the nicest things this year, and I feel like I should touch wood before I say this, but it's been the first year where we've not had closure related to COVID in any of our schools. So we, we've been able to offer, operate in a far more normal way. And what's come back with that is all of those extra things that we used to do in schools. Um, so in Dogsthorpe, you'll be familiar with things like the trips and visits. And I know there was a trip out to Ferry Meadows recently. Everybody went. Those are the things that we've missed. So if we take a view across the trust, some of the things that have been able to, to happen with some of our older children and young people. We've had two musicals that we've put on, on in Hampton. So Matilda at Hampton 
College and We Will Rock You at Hampton Gardens. And because Hampton Gardens um, was, is a relatively new school, with the pandemic, it was the first time that the hall had been used to actually host a performance. So, you know, the purpose that it had been built for. So that's been absolutely tremendous. And again, some of those older um, children that we have been able to take part or to sign up for some amazing trips abroad, which we haven't been able to do for um, three years. So I think that would be um, the most fulfilling thing that I've seen is actually seeing the, the sort of joy on children's faces as they've been able to do some of those extra things that I know we all really believe in. And we know that's what makes school and makes it memorable is being able to take part in those those extra things. This year, we were able to get all of our teachers together at the, key, the Kingsgate Centre um, and do some training. So that was relatively inexpensive, but a highly effective thing to do. And actually, um, for our dog sort colleague, in many instances, it was the first time they'd met some of the other staff in person because they were used to seeing them as a face on the screen. So, so that's been really useful. And, and the well-being piece, again, was sort of a real like-minded thing between Dogsthorpe and the Trust is that uh, when you joined us, you were already really um, ahead of the game, I think, in really thinking about looking after staff. And that's something that as a trust we've tried to do. And we're really pleased that we've been shortlisted um, to the last eight Academy Trusts as Wellbeing Trust of the Year. One of the things that I think we're, we're strong at as a trust, and you learn from activities of others, and sometimes you learn what not to do from seeing others. But actually, some of the things you can do in terms of well-being, both for staff and students, isn't always about money. It's actually about a starting point. It's about a culture and actually being there, listening, making time to speak to people, thinking about the right timings to do things, not filling staff in boxes late in an evening or at weekends, not scheduling too many evening events in succession that can have an impact moving meetings into the school day where possible to try and reduce. And lots of things we've also done, which is looking at different working practice, the use of technology that can hopefully save teacher time. Now, they're all small marginal gains, and they don't somehow magically fix some of the bigger national pressures. But I think what we've done fairly successfully compared to many matters over the last few years is we've insulated lots of those financial pressures from actually being that visible in the classroom. Um, and of course, we'd all like more funding. Um, but one of the bits we talked about at the beginning was the history of, of HAT and our, and our growth strategy. And, and part of the reasoning behind that is there is economies of scale, there is strength in scale, but also those amazing teachers who you want to celebrate when they're ready to take the next step up in their career, we'd much rather their next step up was a new post somewhere else in Hampton Academies Trust rather than another school. And being an individual school on your own, there will sadly be times where amazing teachers need to leave for the right reasons for their careers and we just want to find ways to try and retain that talent and share it amongst our schools which i think is the whole you know focus that we've been trying to deliver on and i think we do pretty well on the whole table let's let's turn towards next academic year now i'm sure that you've both got plans for the the future helen when you think about the coming year what are your your hopes at Hampton College, we've got some new colleagues joining us in some really senior roles. So part of my hopes and dreams for next year is to make sure that we really welcome them and we support them to get off to applying 
start because um, I, they, they absolutely deserve our support in that. And I know the team will, will welcome them. I think kind of more broadly, um, and Al may sort of tag team on this and pick up on it, um, but we'll, we'll, we're looking to move ahead as a trust and look at whether um, you know, we've got some opportunities for expansion, but um, at a level that maintains the character of the trust. Um, you know, we don't want to uh, get too big. That, that's not what, what we're kind of looking at. But whether there are opportunities for um, other local schools to join our family um, and looking ahead to Peterborough as a city and some of the building that's happening, because clearly new schools is something we've got a lot of experience of. So that's much longer term. That's not today, tomorrow, the next day. That's looking ahead over the medium term of opportunities that may be around in Peterborough linking to schools where we think, um, you know, it would be our hopes and dreams to be part of that future of the city. Yeah, and I'd add to that, Dave, I think, I mean, Helen's encapsulated it, it perfectly there. I think a lot of parents listening might think, well, what, what does scale and growth really mean to our children? And one of the things is good schools should reflect their community and their cohort of young people. And one thing we've already managed to achieve with having two secondary schools close together is sharing a sixth form. Now, that might seem a long way away for a listener at an infant school, but the strategy is with a diverse cohort of students, the, the more we work together, the broader the offer, the different choices we can offer our learners. And I think one of the most important things is to make sure that there are lots of different pathways and lots of choices in the subjects they can do in a world where the skills is constantly changing and what the expectations are for employers. And then right at the very beginning of that journey, it comes back to those things that Helen's touched on, which is actually learning is there's both the academic understanding and skills and knowledge, but there's also the experiences and the broader child and their resilience and well-being. And I think that nurture is something you would see as one of the first conversation pieces in any of our primary settings. And part of that it involves that opportunity where every child feels like they've got a voice. It does involve getting out and seeing activities and events, but it also involves sharing so that all of our primaries are learning from each other. So that's the reason why a bit of scale not only ensures us from a financial point of view, but it should always be a win-win. A school joins us, they will share their experiences for the betterment of our schools, and we can hopefully share some of ours to, to help continue their progress as well. But if we think about all the things on the table at the moment, opportunity, aspiration, and economic pressures, actually having a pathway where young people can leave their formal education and there are the right kind of courses accessible locally in the city. And hopefully that also means we'll attract businesses with new skills, whether it's on renewable energies, digital, but also you'll see at the university, there's midwifery, social care, all sorts of resources that we're short on nationally. Um, again, it really reinforces that aspirational that you can arrive in Peterborough as a child, go to amazing schools and have opportunities that mean that you can stay at home if you need to and access courses relevant to you and your community. Um, and, and I think it's a long overdue step, but it also ties in with what we're doing in our secondary schools as we continue to diversify our skills and careers messaging and our opportunities for our learners. We're always looking for new people to join our governance across our schools in the trust. And you don't have to be an educator. It's bringing a diverse range of skills, experiences and community representation to all of our school boards. Uh, and we're always looking for great people to come and add to the mix. So if someone's interested, there is on our websites a contact point for governance where you can find out more first and foremost and then maybe meet for a coffee. Helen, Al, 
Thank you for your time today. Well, there we are, folks. We have come to the end of season three of Eddie's Launchpads. We've met lots of lovely, lovely people. We've been all over the world, America, Canada, Europe, even to the Far East. We'll be back on Friday, September the 8th. We'll be back with a brand new series of Eddie's Launchpads. of the Hampton Academies Trust. It's the school where stars go to dream, believe and shine.